there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From the king of sports books comes the king of sports podcasts. Unleashed. Presented by BetMGM. Here's your hosts, Giannis Pappas and Olivia Harlan-Decker. This is Unleashed by BetMGM, the king of sports books, and it is officially the most wonderful time of the year. It's a winter wonderland of sports, bowl season, Nick Saban eating yummy rat poison, big NFL games as the playoff picture starts to take shape, college hoops, and Giannis is decorating the tree with New York Giants ornaments. Something tells me that is accurate, right, Yanni? It is accurate. I mean, it has to, the Giants have to be good for something in my house. At least they look good on a tree right now because they look horrible on a gridiron. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've got a huge show coming up. We can ask our guest all about that. It's Kevin Harlan joining the show, two-time national sportscaster of the year, voice of NBA 2K, NBA on TNT, NFL on CBS, Monday Night Football, and the Super Bowl on Westwood One. He's also my dad, and he's also a recurring guest now. This is his second (laughs) appearance. Giannis, what are you going to ask him about? I'm a little nervous. We haven't talked about this. I have not been excited for a guest on this show As much as I've been excited for the patriarch of the Harlands, finally, I got so (laughs) many questions to ask about little Olivia. I want to know everything. So Uh, I'm not going to give it to you right now. I'm going to let it all happen in the moment and see you react. I can't wait. Okay. Something (laughs) tells me like I might start crying during this interview. My dad is the most sentimental, sappy person in the world. He's like my best friend, person I respect most. Plus I'm pregnant. So hormones are running like crazy. So I feel like I'm just going to cry. And I'm flying to Europe tonight and I don't get to see him before because this man works more than anyone. So I'm just happy to see his face before I get on that long flight. So this is really special. After the interview, we're going to get some week 14 betting advice from Peter Andrew, some huge game this weekend, including Ravens and Browns. Something tells me that might be one of our punishment picks. And the Rams try to get things right against the league's best team, the Arizona Cardinals, who are now two games up on them in the NFC West. Woo! It's a lot going on. But first, we've got to give it up to the big news of the week. They finally did it. Congrats to the Detroit Lions and head coach Dan Campbell for getting their first win of the season. They beat the Vikings 29-27. Jared Goff with a walk-off winner. Look, the whole country was cheering for them that night, and it was so cool to watch. Here's head coach Dan Campbell after the game. I'm proud of our guys, man. I'm happy for them. Of course I'm happy. We're all happy. I'm happy for the coaches. I'm happy for everybody. But it's like you want this so bad for the players, man, because they're the ones who put in all the hard work and the sweat and the tears. And, yeah, we all do. And so do the coaches, man. And uh, and But it's also that's what makes this great, you know. And, it it look, when you lose, it hurts. It's hard. It's hard. But it's also why winning is so great in this league because it's not easy to do. And when you get them, man, it's special. 
So the Lions are officially 1, 10, and 1. That is some weird record. Giannis, were you excited to see them win, or did you want them to go 0, 16, and 1? Uh, I'll say this earnestly. <laughs> Before what happened there, I wanted to see them go 0, and 16, because it's just, it's fun to watch a team go 0, and 16. But, you know, I was rooting for them after, you know, the tragedy that happened there in Detroit. And so it was nice yes. that the fans over there got, uh, a little gift, a little early Christmas gift with a victory. Beautiful. America was rooting for him. Yeah, that was really cool. And even better that they dedicated the win to that high school. So sad for that community. You just, you hate turning on the news in the morning and seeing that. It's horrible. You know, that's the beautiful thing about sports. It's just a great outlet after mm -hmm. something like that happens for everyone to get together, root for their team. I remember, you know, the baseball playoffs after 9-11 and how cathartic that was. So just sending a lot of love to Detroit, sending a lot of love to that whole area. And congratulations on now I'll switch gears. Your only win of the season, your team sucks. Oh, God, I was about to say that was really beautifully said. Yeah, there you go. Let's get to our bad beat of the week winner. Bad beat of the week. Mel Richards 11 and just like every week it's always a parlay which makes me nervous to always do a parlay but that's also where you make the big money well my man Mel he had seven picks and the one that lost was the Bruins see I, I wouldn't even go there the Tampa Bay Lightning at the Boston Bruins I who follows hockey <laughs> who's betting on hockey just kidding probably a lot of our listeners but yeah this was this was all hockey my man yeah yeah, my man must be from Finland or Canada because <laughs> in the good old glory, we're all about football, my friend. It's a man sport. <laughs> so six of the seven hit. So that is a bad beat, Mel. But congratulations because you get 100 bucks from BetMGM just to use on site credit, just to use on your next bet. And I hope this one works out for you and you could win some big money. Okay, now it's time for us to sound off on one topic we feel passionately about this week. You know the deal, Giannis. It's time to unleash. It's time to unleash. Let's unleash. The college football playoff has finally been set and we've got my Bulldogs, number three seed Georgia, versus the Big Ten champs, number two Michigan, in the Orange Bowl. The Wolverines are currently a nine-point underdog. That might change a little bit. I think Georgia will give them hell. They got so off their mark versus Alabama. I had to watch them slowly bleed out in front of my eyes. It was tragic. Tragic. My alma mater. It was sad. And the top seed, the SEC champs, Alabama, taking on number four seed, the American Athletic Conference champs, Cincinnati in the Cotton Bowl. And remember, Giannis, we talked about this last week. I explained this to you. Group of five conferences are like JV to the Power Five's varsity. So Cincinnati fans and people who argued that a non-Power 5 school deserved to go, congratulations, the glass ceiling has been broken. And they have to, right? The committee couldn't leave a perfect team out because they aren't a name <laughs> brand. They're that generic brand on the bottom shelf that your mom gets you when she tells you you got to tighten things up. And their prize now for a perfect season? Oh yeah, just a date with the most dangerous team in college football, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Alabama is currently a 14-point favorite. A 14-point 
favorite in a national semifinal. That's bad. And this playoff format has led to so many blowout games already. It's a hard sell. And that's why a lot of people don't get behind college football or understand the playoff because you have a kind of random conglomerate of four teams. Now, I again, I agree with the four teams they picked. I just think we need to expand the playoffs so we're not going to have these kind of blowouts. So we know Cincinnati's undefeated with a big win over Notre Dame. That was back in October. That loss kept the Irish out. Notre Dame was the only team Cincinnati faced in the FPI top 40, and their strength of schedule ranked 87th in FBS. Giannis, I know you say you need an accounting degree to figure out college football, but tell me you understand that. I don't understand it. I do not. <laughs> and I, I let can we stop treating the playoffs in college football like the Academy Awards? And while we're at it, can we get rid of the name, the Cotton Bowl? Come on. <laughs> That's a whole nother topic, my man. That is. But yeah, so the point is Cincinnati didn't have a strong schedule and they didn't exactly dominate the mediocre competition in the American athletic competition. So no disrespect to my man, Nick Lachey, an alum, (laughs) but there's a reason the Bearcats are a two touchdown underdog. So personally, I don't even think Cincinnati was the best school in Ohio this year. And if we really just put together a playoff of who we want to see play each other, I think people would have put Ohio State back in there and have another great game like we saw against Michigan. But hey, we're about to find out. The Bearcats are in and now it's time to show that they actually belong. I mean, you kill it with those and the way you've been going (laughs) in on this. I just hope that these committees at college football powers that be are listening to our podcast because OHD has got a few words for you, my (laughs) friends. I love it. (laughs) To piggyback on that, let's stay in college a little bit. Yeah. I also have something to unleash on on college football. And that's new ball coach down in LSU, Brian Kelly. Mm. College football coaches are by far the most unloyal people in the game. Backstabbers. I mean, they will cheat on you the first chance they get. And that's just what Mr. Brian Kelly did. Uh, Just a few weeks ago, Brian Kelly had said, unless the fairy godmother comes by with that $250 million check, my wife would want to take a look at that first. I'd have to run it by her. Oh, I don't buy it. Well, I guess the fairy godmother (laughs) is an LSU alum because he's gone. He's gone with the wind. Mm -hmm. He bailed on Notre Dame like I bail when the check comes at dinner with OHD and her husband, Sam. (laughs) I saw that contract in Turkey. (laughs) The Irish, they still had a very good chance to make the college football playoff. But he basically left them at the altar like it was an episode of The Bachelor. This is ridiculous. Too much drama. But. What was even worse was after the news broke, Brian Kelly had his players come to a meeting the next morning at 7 a.m., 7 a.m. to tell them the news that they already knew. And it was an 11-minute meeting. Then he got back on the private jet, back to Louisiana. I mean, are you serious? Like, these kids haven't been through enough. You made them get up at 7 a.m.? Shame on you, Brian Kelly. You should have done this over Zoom. Yeah, Then Brian Kelly shows up at halftime of an LSU basketball game. And this is my favorite part. He takes the mic and listen to this. Thank you. Thank you. Well, this is a great way to get started. And I haven't even won all my games yet. It's a great night. 
to be a Tiger. I'm here with my family, and we are so excited to be in the great state of Louisiana, but more importantly, to be with you great fans and to be part of what is going to be an incredible ride here at Louisiana State University. I mean, is he auditioning to be the host of SNL this season? This is a great way to get started. I'm here with my family. I mean, I haven't heard a fake accent that bad since I saw Lady Gaga in the house of Gucci or anytime Madonna opens her mouth. Agree. Look, since this is college, I have an idea. If a college coach is going to leave for a new job and bail on the team, they should have to do at least a walk of shame across campus. (laughs) I've had enough. And anyone who's done a walk of shame across campus knows that that's about the worst punishment you could ever have. That's not me, but just anyone who had. So I completely agree with you, Giannis. That's a great topic to unleash on. Here's my thing. LSU is looking for a football coach for next season. This could have waited a week. And if it had waited a week, we would have known Notre Dame is knocked out, Cincinnati's in, the whole thing. I agree. The timing was horrible. The money is not. And I always defend coaches on this. It's a business, and I'm sorry. They're going to go where the money is. And LSU is one of the best jobs in college football. Notre Dame, you could also offer, is one of the best jobs in college football. But it's a business. I have no problem with it. I got a problem with the timing, though. But that was a great unleash. Good job. I love seeing you get into college football. Yeah, and it just, again, shows that I am the heart of the show, and you are the cold, (laughs) rational brain. You just, I mean, that is cold-hearted. I mean, where's your heart, Olivia? Uh, My heart's in Turkey. My heart's already on the flight. (laughs) Let's bring in my dad to talk some NFL and NBA. It's Kevin Harlan. This is such a treat. Dad, this is your second appearance on the show, and I feel like I should handle it with a bit more professionalism since you are one of the best to do what you do. You have a front row ticket to the best events in sports, and we should handle this just sticking to X's and O's, but something tells me Giannis is going to mess that up for me. (laughs) (laughs) I got a lot of questions about the little girl that Olivia was. Yes, (laughs) Yes, yes. <laughs> There's a lot to tell, guys. I can't wait. Uh, I'll just say, I've told Olivia many times, you are my favorite announcer. I'm a huge basketball fan. So, you know, I've been watching you on TNT, listening to you on TNT for years. You call a very exciting game, and I appreciate you. Well, you're so kind. Thank you for those wonderful words. I appreciate it. Coming from someone like you, that's uh, that's very nice. Thank you. Well, let's start with one of your great calls this weekend. Again, you do three games every weekend, Sunday on CBS NFL, Monday night football on Westwood One, and then you rush to do a Tuesday NBA game on TNT. So any weekend you can have a long list of great calls. But one I really liked this weekend was at the Seahawks game at the end. And I've been in that stadium. It does shake And tell me what it felt like in the booth because your call was something, and you can fix me on this, but I thought you said, I hope the engineers feel confident in their work because this place is shaking, something like that. Yeah, that's basically what I said. And first, I've only been in two stadiums that shook like that. One was the old Mile High Stadium in Denver. And when I was broadcasting the Chiefs, the Broncos would pound the Chiefs, it seems like, every time we played out there. 
And uh, when that stadium was going, the old stadium, the old Mile High, it really moved. I mean, it you could see it and you could definitely feel it. So I hadn't been in any kind of situation until this past weekend when the Seahawks came up with the big defensive play to seal a win and beat their arch rival San Francisco 49ers. And it started shaking, but at first I thought, are my feet going numb? Is something wrong with the floor? <laughs> like had water, like I, I couldn't, have I lost my footing? Wow. And I looked down and, and I thought, well, am I going crazy here? And then I figured, oh my gosh, it's moving. Uh, and and listen, this is not the first time that stadium has moved with a crowd. They did years ago when Marshawn Lynch had a, a very famous run in the playoffs against the New Orleans Saints. And there was so much movement in the stadium from the fans going berserk that it registered on the seismic measuring thing at, <laughs> at a local geological center. Wow. So uh, (laughs) I've not seen if this registered, but it was thunderous and it was exciting. I always wondered, how do you keep such an impartial tone in when you're calling a game? Like, I assume you have a favorite team, but that never really comes through. And that's the thing that pisses sports fans off the most when they watch a game, if they feel like an announcer is favoring one team over the other. When you call the game, I notice you're excited about anything that happens and you call it with enthusiasm. How do you separate? How do you separate your heart from your job when you do it? Well, I'm a big sports fan to begin with, Giannis, and uh, I really do not care who wins. If I had to favor a team, I like the underdog because it makes for a better story for whatever outlet I'm with, CBS or TNT or Westwood One. So I'm always looking for an upset. I'm always looking for the underdog, perhaps, to do it. But I I do not care who wins. I just want a good broadcast. So I'm rooting for our CBS team or whoever I'm with that particular broadcast. I, I think the fan probably comes out in me more than it should. I'm always in wonder on how these guys do what they do at these big moments, whether it was last night in Buffalo with the Patriots and the Bills with uh, 40 mile an hour winds and snow and how they were able to survive and eventually win New England or uh, the game in Seattle the night before when the Seahawks pulled the big upset as they had been kind of unraveling and, and they were able to come in and beat a San Francisco team that was really playing well and had a lot of momentum. So I think I, I try to balance it as much as I can. I am not, I really don't have a favorite player. I really don't have a favorite team. I've, I've done the Packers in the, in the Super Bowl and they were playing the Steelers and I really didn't care. I was really selfish that day. I wanted just a good broadcast. And, uh, it was great. The Packers won, but was not rooting for them. And if Roethlisberger had come up with a big throw in that game to beat the Packers, I would have been as excited as if Rodgers had done the same thing to the Steelers. So I'm just a fan, like the two of you, and like I'm sure most of the people watching. It's uh, I love sports, and probably the fan comes out of me maybe a little bit more than it should, <laughs> unfortunately. For a little context on that Super Bowl, too, I believe that was your first one doing the national radio broadcast. Yes, it was for the national radio. I had done one for CBS back in 2001 
when HD television was just getting some traction and they had two separate broadcasts. They had, I think Greg Gumbel was our number one NFL broadcaster and he and Phil Sims. It was down in Tampa. It was the Giants and the Baltimore Ravens Super Bowl. And uh, they were doing regular television, regular def. And we were doing high def. We were doing HD. Now there were probably only, they thought maybe a half million HD TV sets in the United States, but there were millions all over the <laughs> globe. And so it basically had more of an effect. Our broadcast has probably seen more in Asia and in Europe than it was in the U.S. But that was the first and the first radio wise, right, Libby? That was that was the first one in Dallas with the, uh, the Packers and the Steelers in the 2010 season. And it was played mm-hmm. in 2011. And that game, just if there was any game to have some fandom in. It probably would have been that one. My dad was a Packer ball boy as a little kid. He grew up at Packer training camp. His dad constructed that team, hired that GM. He had just retired. And so, but it was his fingerprints were all over the franchise and all over that team. So I know our family felt extremely proud. If that was going to be the Packers win, it felt like that was our Papa Boy's win. We call him Papa Boy. So uh, the fact that you were able to remain neutral on that game is about impressive as it comes. But that that was a great question, Giannis. Well, I, I just like good plays and, and by stars or little known players. And and a great play is a great play. Everyone says, mm-hmm. well, how can you how can you blow a gasket in the first quarter? But if it's a spectacular <laughs> catch or a great throw or a tremendous shot, who's to say that it's not less spectacular because it happened early in the game than late in the game. Now, certainly consequences are different, but a great play is a great play. And I, I would just soon celebrate all, all the great plays. You mentioned that Monday night football game, Patriots at Bills. That was a weird looking game. But if you're a hard-nosed football fan, that was probably just what you ordered, right? It was just running the ball. Mac Jones attempted three passes altogether. Bill Belichick was just playing chess. He was in his prime. What was your takeaway from that game? Just the brilliance of Belichick. You know, just when you think that, ah, the narrative is right. Brady made Belichick. And Brady goes and wins the Super Bowl. And Brady has had all this post-Patriot success. But think of it. Think what Belichick has gone through. Last year, they lost many key players because they opted out in the COVID season and the pandemic season. Yeah, And they were working with a quarterback that clearly is not even close to what he once was in Cam Newton. They had to completely restructure their offense into something that neither the offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels, or Belichick wanted to use, but there were no alternatives. They were left kind of high and dry. And uh, then with COVID and everything else, they won seven games, seven wins with that team and that quarterback last year may have been a better coaching job than what he's doing this year. Yeah. Now that he's got some people back, you know, he's gotten the reinforcements back. Guys are off the opt-out list. They're now playing on defense in particular, a couple offensive linemen. And then they take a chance in the first round, the first time Belichick has ever done this, is draft a quarterback in the first round. And this was the fifth one taken and might be the best of the five. And he was number 15 overall. And he is as much like Brady. Like if Belichick went into a a laboratory (laughs) and started taking this guy's left arm and 
that quarterback's right arm and this quarterback's mind and this quarterback's footwork and this quarter, whatever vision, like this is what he would have, like if I were going to, if he was going to recreate a a 22 year old version of Tom Brady, this would be the guy. He came from Alabama where he played for the Belichick of college football and Nick Saban. He played in, in big games. He played in a pro style offense. They run their program. Livy, you know this because you've done a lot of Alabama games. They run their program like an NFL team. So this kid mm-hmm. leaves Tuscaloosa and goes to Foxborough and doesn't blink because it's the same culture. It's the same message. And it's worked out beautifully. And the fact that he basically changed everything for that game last night, he ran the ball, the quarterback threw three times. Um, it was like the perfect game plan by arguably the greatest coach that that sport has ever seen. I've noticed that, uh, well, everyone notices, but that uh, your voice is such a big part of what you do. Did you get into what you got into because of your voice, or did you notice your voice was good for it after you started doing it? You know, uh, my voice is not the voice that I dreamt, right? I mean, there's no... You can alter it. You can change the speed. You can you can strengthen it. You can do all those things. But you, what you have is kind of what you have. And uh, in my mind, I hear voices like uh, Pat Summerall and Ray Scott and John Facenda and Jim Simpson and Frank Gleber. And I try to visualize. It's weird to say, but visualize those kind of voices. But when I was a younger broadcaster, like anyone who might be in their teens or early 20s, my voice was still developing. And what I sound like now is nothing like what I sounded like even when I was 50. And that didn't sound like when I was 40. Like it's just kind of matured a little bit. And and probably it comes with confidence and relaxation and everything else. But I am, and Olivia would tell you this, I, I am big on delivery. I, I've oh, yeah. always told her that when she's doing a sideline report or Giannis working with you, a so-so topic or subject or, uh, or story told with a great delivery is far more captivating than a great story or great interview and you're tripping over your words and talking too fast and searching for the right word and so I'm all about delivery. And when I get these links that these kids in college send and say, hey, what do you think of my work? Can you give me a few tips? And I listen, I can tell in about the first, you know, 10, 15 seconds wow. if they might have it. And there are some that are terrific because just the voice, you can teach the other stuff. You can teach preparation. You can teach you know, how to kind of manage and construct a game broadcast. But what you can't teach is what the good Lord blessed you with or didn't bless you with. And then I always say, if a kid doesn't have maybe the voice or delivery, I say, you know what? The great thing about (laughs) our business is that you can go in about 15 different directions. Maybe you're not cut out to be on the air, but boy, you can produce or you can direct, or you have got a great feel for lighting or for audio or for whatever, marketing or print, like, like you can go in a million different directions. And that's the great thing about this business or, or podcasts. You, you can yeah, go right. a million different ways. Yeah, I have a horrible voice and I'm doing this. 
No, you sound great. I, I watched so I Now you're like family. I've watched so many of these things that you and Olivia have done together that uh, I feel like I know the rhythm of the show and everybody you've had on and, and have come to really appreciate you. And I'm, I'm so thrilled she's working with a pro like you. No, oh, thank you. Well, Giannis, you laugh every time before we start. I go three, two, two. one. In fact, now it's kind of our shtick. We do it before we start, but that's kind of my process to get my voice down where I want it. And Giannis, I have a question for you. Before you do stand up, I'm sure you have some kind of process, whether it is some visualization, something about your voice, something about the way you're standing or your body's moving. I mean, what are, what's something you run through before you do stand up? Yeah. Just like your dad just said, um, it's about delivery and what I do. So the most important thing is being in the moment, being there. So I have to make sure I'm there. I have to get out of my head at all. If I'm having a bad day, whatever it is, I got to leave that. I got to compartmentalize that and put it away and get in the moment. I, I think athletes talk about that all the time. Their best games is getting in the zone is when they're in the moment. So it's the same with comedy because you got to mm-hmm. be in the room with those people when you're doing live uh, comedy. So it's all about grounding myself. So I usually open with something that I'm just riffing on in the moment just so I can feel in the room. And then I go into the jokes that I know. But that's the uh, yeah, that's that's it right there. Being in the moment. So yeah. getting that frame of mind right to be in the moment. Now, I just got to I just want to zoom right into it. Um, did you like Sam when you first met him? What were your first impressions? <laughs> well, I met Sam when before he even had met Olivia. I had met him in the MCAA tournament in Los Angeles at the regional finals. So I was uh, very familiar with the story being from Wisconsin and knew about his legendary folklore status in the state with his dad coaching him at a small high school, the game-winning shot, double-team, throwing a three-point shot as he's falling out of bounds to win a state championship, and the state embraced him and their family. And then when he chose the University of Wisconsin, it brought it really full circle. And then to go to two Final Fours. So I had known his story, but it covered him before he met Olivia. And, you know, these kids, these college kids, their attention span is is pretty limited, all of them. And he didn't know me from that light bulb over there. That's not but, true. But uh, I knew his story, and that's all that really mattered. All, all, all that really mattered is that, is that uh, we knew his story, and we were going to tell it. just wanted to kind of get the finishing touches on, you know, some of the questions we had asked him in our pregame <laughs> meetings and interviews. But, uh, no, I liked him. And Reggie Miller, who I was doing the game with, and Dan Bonner, when he left, he I think he came in with Frank Kaminsky. And I, the two of them came in at the same time. And they left. And, and I think it was Reggie turned to me and said, this is why everybody in college sports loves the University of Wisconsin. Because mm. they go out and they get kids that really are good, solid kids. And that was my first impression of Sam. Is it just, he's just a, he was just a good solid boy who was clearly raised the right way. But um, you can tell a coach's kid too, because a coach's kid, uh, which Sam is, I think views the game differently. He goes home with the wins and losses because his dad is usually driving him home in high school, right? So he knows about how wins and losses affect the family, his dad's mood, because at the end of the day, he's still his dad. So a coach's kid is a different kind of kid. And I think Sam showed in those pre-Olivia meetings just the depth he had and the kind of uh, character that he had. And so I did admire that from afar. 
And then I think it was my sister who spilled the beans that I was dating this NBA player. And that is not anything I wanted my parents to find out or, uh, <laughs> or not hear from myself. But then fast forward hardly like, gosh, six months or so. And you were doing a Portland Trailblazers game, Rockets at Trailblazers. So Sam was with the Rockets and he asked if he could go to dinner with you. And that's where he asked if he could propose. And I've, I guess I've never really heard your side of that story. Ooh, classy. Well, um, <laughs> yeah, I knew it was probably coming and I paid for the dinner. Oh, ouch. <laughs> so I ouch. had a feeling that was something that he was going to approach. And clearly he and Olivia, it was, uh, it was love at first sight. And, and they became inseparable and they're two Wisconsin kids, basically. You know, I mean, that's what they are, the Midwest kids. And, and I, you know, I, I, I couldn't be more proud that he's my son-in-law and couldn't be more proud of the decision Olivia made to choose him as the person that she wanted to spend her life with. So it's been great. You know, I, I, I think because he's in the sport that he's in, he probably feels a little bit weird, maybe that, you know, that I'm involved in it to a degree, <laughs> Just a little. but we've, we've now, we, re we, we really don't talk basketball when we're together yeah. do we Libby? i mean we, we never really you talk more football no yeah we do because he's such a big sports fan and knows it well and he's very well versed and can you know he's a big packers fan big nfl fan mm -hmm. and knows sports very well so we basically talk about everything almost sometimes but the nba but, but we'll talk college basketball a lot but no i've he's he's been a blessing to our family i just want to say that is a classy move to go for a full dinner with the future father-in-law. Uh, I mean, but not pick up the check. Come on. I mean, come on. He know everybody knows Kevin's established. Your dad is established. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. when I uh, asked my father-in-law, I was so nervous. I could not even imagine sitting for a whole dinner and, and, you know, trying to make small talk. No, have you told this story. I think you have you not told this story before. I think you've told this story right now. How you and your wife met? Were you sitting on a floor or something? Or I'm trying to go back now. That was early on in one of your first shows. Oh yeah, you two did together. How you met your wife? Oh, I'm, try I'm trying to think now. Uh, you're probably thinking, yeah. I the way I proposed, the way I proposed was perfect. And that <laughs> night I asked her dad, but like it was so scary. I was so scared and so nervous that I was thinking about just leaving. I was gonna like change my name, maybe move to Mexico. <laughs> I didn't know. I just wanted to get out of there. And then I faced my fear. And we had a moment where it was just me and him standing there. And I, I, I just, I just, there was no small talk. I was just like, Hey, can I marry your daughter? <laughs> Cause I was, yeah. so nervous. I was so nervous. Like to, I would be too scared to do a whole dinner and sit down and make small talk and think of the perfect time to bring it up. So a lot of, a lot of class. Shout out Sam Decker. A lot of class. Well, and Giannis, you're going to have this moment yourself. Giannis is the father of a one-year-old baby girl named Gigi. She's absolutely beautiful. Her mother is beautiful. This girl's going to be a heartbreaker. So, Dad, what's your advice as a girl dad yourself? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't be too hard on the boy uh, for what he is, but I think you got to look <laughs> at it through your daughter's eyes. And at the end of the day, all you want her to do is just think that she's made the right choice and she's beyond happy. And you can see, you know, you'll feel the happiness in your daughters. We've got two of our three daughters are married and you can feel what it is. I mean, you know, when it's right and you know, maybe when it's wrong too. So 
But Sam was that that was that was a pretty easy one actually. That was a layup for me. But what about like high school? Go back further before there's a future husband involved. Just girl dad advice. But Liv, remember now, the problem in high school with you was that you were grounded more times than you were free. I was. I was. <laughs> you rarely, you really didn't get out that much in high school. <laughs> oh, but when I did, look out. <laughs> <laughs> there was a reason I was grounded all the time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She was a piece of work, man. But it she goes back just... further than that. Kindergarten, third grade, you had a lot of calls from the principal's office. Yeah, yeah. You know, the thing was, is that, you know, you, you try to get mad at Olivia and we never, you know, I, I don't think we've ever raised our voice at any of our four kids. And you try to discipline her, but then she kind of like looked down and, you know, appeared to be maybe like sulking or even maybe close to tears. And and then you'd kind of be done saying what you had to say in terms of being, you know, involved in a reprimand and and all of a sudden, she kind of turn her head like this and kind of look and put that little devilish grin on those. And I go, oh, my God. I mean, like, how, how can you get And she's the baby. So, you know, it makes it, you know, triply hard to hold her. But, man, if she was mad at us, she held a grudge. Like she, I still do. Ah. I hold a grudge. Yeah. She would, she would go, Liv, you want to go get a milkshake? No. Uh, Liv, you want, you want to go want to watch our show? No. We sing songs? No. Uh, I said, all right. And we would do this thing where we would uh, say our, our prayers at night, and we'd uh, sing these little songs about her. And when she was mad at us, she uh, would not let us sing the song. She would, like, go uh, like look the other way and, 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 and try to cordon herself off. And it was uh, – she was a tough one, boy. She was, she was tough. But, uh, no, I – embellishing but she was she was terrific she was a wonderful wonderful daughter and she's continues to make us proud every day and it sounds like you're glad that she grew up (laughs) (laughs) there are moments that i really i i I always told her when she was little i said i wish i could freeze you yeah right now whether she were five or six or eight or ten i i just uh i I said that to all of our daughters I, i said i just i wish I wish I could just freeze you at that age because you just you can't even imagine as a dad anything better than when they're just those little girls and they look up at you and they respect you so much and they think you are the king and that's a nice position to be in uh, for a dad of a daughter. Um, so I always enjoyed that time. <laughs> oh well, I, I can tell you, all three of your daughters still do that, so you never lost that. Let's get back to NFL talk, boys. Let's let's stop messing around here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, Dad, you mentioned earlier just about Tom Brady. You said Mac Jones is the 22-year-old version of Tom Brady. Let's talk about the 44-year-old version and what he's doing this season. And now the Buccaneers are sitting at 9-3, and three, primed and ready to possibly make another Super Bowl run. What are you liking about the Buccaneers at this point of the season? Well, what I'm liking about it is what they did a year ago. Remember, a year ago they were 7-5 and five and they went to their bye. And yeah. there was a problem, a disconnect between what Brady wanted to do and what Bruce Arians and the offense, uh, Byron Leftwich as their coordinator, and, and how they were, they, they just were not connected. They were they were not in sync. And it showed. Brady was thinking left, and they were thinking right. He was thinking blue, they were thinking red. Like, there was just no, they could not get on the same page, and their record reflected that. So they used that bye week 
to kind of rectify all those problems. And from that point on, they won eight straight, including the Super Bowl. They got everything in order. They got their house in order. And then they just tore right through uh, the rest of the NFL schedule, through the playoffs, and to the Super Bowl in a win. So a lot of the heavy lifting was last year. Mm-hmm. Now, as with every defending champion, it's trying to get yourself in the same mindset as you were a year ago when you were hungry and everything was new and you were winning and here's Brady and all like this stuff is coming coming together and and you reach your goal. And to make that happen again is sometimes doubly hard. The climb sometimes in anything in life is sometimes not as difficult as maintaining once you mm-hmm. get there and maintaining that level of excellence. And that's what they've kind of learned right now, that they've got the target on their back. They're everybody's biggest game. He is the the GOAT. You know, he's seven-time champion, been to 10 Super Bowls. I don't know that our lives will ever see anybody like him in, in pro football. So, you know, he's got everybody shooting for him every Sunday, every defense. So there's just there's just a lot that they've got to deal with. But now that we're in post-Thanksgiving December football, this is when guys like Brady and the Buccaneers become, you know, what they've were and have aimed for and now probably realizing when when the stakes are their highest. And he might be the MVP right now. He's playing that well. Mm-hmm. He might be the MVP. And wouldn't that be something at 44? Yeah. He could possibly win it again, but he he just finds ways to motivate. And I think maybe the core of it all is that he loves to play football. Like he loves, some guys play it because they're good at it. Some guys play it because it brings them riches. He plays it because he really loves football. That's got to be one of the biggest reasons you play to your 44 mm-hmm. and still go through everything that he's got to go through hauling himself out of bed every morning, feeling every hit from the previous game, you know, getting it. It takes, I'm, I'm certain it takes him every single day of every week leading up to that Sunday or whenever they play game to get his body right. It probably takes all six days between one game and the other so that he feels like, all right, physically, and, he, and we know he's in great shape, but I'll guarantee you at that age, with what he goes through, he feels that Monday and Tuesday, it's, you know, a little bit better every day. But that's one of the more underappreciated part of being a pro athlete. It takes a whole week to get your body back, to get back on that field for the next game. You have a front row seat uh, and you're engaged in the games that you call. What players that you've called really wow you where you're watching something that really just I mean you know blows your mind like a Steph Curry Michael Jordan Barry Sanders Aaron Rodgers throwing dimes when he's when he's on the run like are there some players that you've watched that really like almost take you out of your job and make you a fan because you cannot believe what you're watching over the years when I'm doing the broadcast in the NFL, because we're so far away from the field, I don't think you get the real appreciation for what these guys do. It's only when I'm watching at home as a fan and I watch, you know, the flick of the wrist by Rodgers, and he is a generational talented quarterback. That arm is an arm. Even Mahomes, and we're seeing it kind of now 
like Mahomes has got a great arm. And I originally thought he was going to be Rodgers 2.0. Mm-hmm. But Rodgers is a singular talent that mm-hmm. we have not seen in this league that arm talent ever. I mean, not Unitas, not Montana. I mean, go right on down the line of all the greats, Hall of Famers, even Brady, Manning, you know, Breeze, like all these guys. No one has ever had an arm and, and the ability to do with the football what Rodgers does. He, he is a singular generational talent. In basketball, because we are so close, you do begin to appreciate the players. And for me, clearly, clearly, the most inspiring, awe-inducing was Michael Jordan. I called basically every year of his career. And when he would take the ball up court by you, and we are at midcourt and close enough that if I leaned over the table, you could almost grab his jersey. It was almost as if his feet were never touching the court. Like he was, his footwork was just so elegant and his the way he maneuvered and, and used just little twitches to get free or to to glide down court. And it was, it was like he was floating. And LeBron doesn't have that. LeBron is, is like a tank, you know, but with ballet moves and, you know, an acrobatic feel. Jordan, to me, was the greatest player. Kobe had a lot of those same traits. LeBron is a completely different kind of guy. But Jordan, watching Jordan, to me, was like, I mean, I'll I'll retire someday and this question may get asked, you know, when I'm an old man, I would I would say that Jordan probably is it it has been the most impressive to watch play. He was, you know, the guys now, you know, it's it's just a different kind of professional (laughs) athlete. It's a lot of self-congratulations. It's a lot of theatrics. You know, Jordan did none of that. Like, Jordan did none of it. All he did was dunk or shoot or win, and like, and he just kind of let that speak for it. Now, he may look out and smile and, you know, kind of give a little nod, like, I mean, just like stuff like you and I might do. But every day that goes by and watching the superstars we have now and how they react to success mm-hmm. and how Jordan reacted to success kind of defines it even more in my mind that, I feel real lucky that I was able to call Jordan, Michael Jordan, basketball games for as long as I did. He was unbelievable. Like, indescribable is what he was. Indescribable. I've got to ask for our final question. You hold the record for most consecutive Super Bowls called, which is amazing. So this year's Super Bowl, we already kind of asked you about Tampa Bay and New England and some hot teams are out there. Who would you have to guess today? It's December 7th. Who would you guess you're going to be calling on February 13th? Yeah, I just saw Livy, you know, the Patriots, as we know, last night. And I just mm-hmm. think they're the most complete team in the AFC. Uh, Lamar Jackson has kind of taken a turn. The Bengals are, are struggling a bit. The Chargers are too inconsistent. Um, I, I, you know, yeah. Pittsburgh 6-5-1. and one, Like, like I, I'm not seeing Buffalo clearly is groping right now. They are searching. Yeah. And they're 7-5. and five, And now they're not, they were number what, five last night, I think, going in, and now they're down to seventh in the AFC, barely holding on. I don't know what's wrong with them. I can't. They lost Tredavious White, who is a all-pro cornerback, and that's a killer in their secondary. He closed mm-hmm. off a quarter of the field 
for opposing offenses. Mm. So that it was like they were playing with one arm tied behind their back. I mean, he was that good. So I'm going to go New England because I think they're the most complete team and they've got clearly, mm-hmm. clearly the best coach. Even Kansas City has shown that Mahomes has not been what he was. Their offense, for whatever reason, is out of sync. We're late now in the season. And if it's not starting to show some fingerprints right now of what they're going to be, and they really haven't, they're winning, but they're winning ugly and kind of awkwardly. I don't know really what to make of the Chiefs, but I love New England. Yeah. And I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Green Bay. I think they're the most motivated, wow. and I just think Rodgers is playing with a real goal. I, I think he he is a guy. Clearly, we have found out that he is a player who sees a big world around him and thinks about legacy and you know all these different things. He's a deep thinker. And he can't help but think at 38 or 39, 38, I think, he just turned 38. He can't help but think about what his legacy is. And right now, in, in a singular way, it's great because he's won three MVPs, but he's only been to one Super Bowl. And the greats go to more than one Super Bowl. So I think he is in a frame of mind of legacy, of Mm -hmm. putting an impact on it. And I also predict that he'll resign with Green Bay and he's going to finish out the greatest quarterback uh, for an organization that has had some of the greatest quarterbacks that have ever played. Giannis, don't make a vaccine joke. Don't do it. Don't do it, Giannis. I wasn't going to do it. I won't (laughs) do it, Livy. Don't worry, Livy. I'm not going to do it, little Livy. Now I know what to call you from now on. Livy! Well, that's Kevin Harlan. You cannot follow him on Twitter because he hates social media, but you can find him every Sunday on CBS, Monday Night Football on Westwood One and NBA on TNT. Dad, thank you again. It's great to see your face before I catch this flight to Istanbul. I know. Good luck, sweetie. We'll talk afterwards. Giannis, what a pleasure to be on with you. I watch your show every week, your podcast, and I love it. And you guys do a great job. It was wonderful chemistry and really is a joy to listen to. Thank you. Honor to have you on. Thank you for uh, doing it. Really appreciate it. Weekend's action with our guy, BetMGM betting expert, the one and only Peter Andrew. is kind of our third musketeer. Peter, welcome back to the show. How are you guys? Livia, sorry for your uh for your loss this weekend. <laughs> I know. It's it's uh it was more tough to watch it in person and have to watch the slow bleeding out too. But I'm really glad I did not put money on this one. And I was banging my chest on the show last week saying, George is gonna win, they're gonna cover and I believed it. I really did. Didn't you guys? I did, especially, you know, the way Georgia turned out the vote to take down Trump. I thought they had a chance. <laughs> I told you guys, don't give Saban points. It's you did. Mechie. I mean, Mechie and yep. Jameson Williams are I mean, it's wide receiver you there. I mean, unbelievable game. Yeah. Who knew? Mechie went down around halftime and then Jamison Williams got the bulk of the carries and, and the reception. So I talked to him after the game. He was my post game interview and he was just like 
like lit up ear to ear smiling. He transferred from Ohio State and he wanted to play in big games like this and have a chance to win it all. And he does have a chance to win it all. It's it's a great story. I love when you see a successful transfer story, but he was a great kid. And then Bryce Young, more or less just tying a bow on his ticket to New York to win that Heisman. I mean, his odds now are what? Plus 40,000, Peter? It's something crazy, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Couple of interesting things in the Heisman, you know, Kenneth Walker not getting a call in, but but yeah, Bryce Young. Let me ask you this, Peter. Do a lot of people put money on the Heisman bet? Yeah, so certainly beginning of season, because it's kind of like a future bet, like like picking a team to win the national championship. Lots of people do it, especially where they see value on someone maybe down the list that they know might take a jump up. And then as the season goes on a little bit, at this point, I think it becomes pretty barren because the odds become so great for the favorite. And it's it's going to be really difficult for some of the dogs like the guy from Pitt. Yeah. But beginning of the season, we get tons of bets, you know, in the thousands, obviously. Really? OK. How does that compare with what you see for NFL MVP? I think you get way more action on MVP. Yeah. You know, I think it's it's the fact that there's really only one thing to vote on for college football in terms of reward awards. That's why it's just so heavily skewed on it. Yeah. But for NFL, you have. Uh, offensive player of the year, offensive rookie of the year. You have obviously MVP. So there's a little bit more variety. So you're always going to get more. And obviously the the nature of just knowing more of the players in the NFL versus college. Uh, you know, how many times are you going to see a no-name guy on this list in college? It's pretty Absolutely. significant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what about coach of the year? Because Dan Campbell, he finally got a win. What do you think? Yeah. I don't uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if he's got a shot. I don't know if Salah's got a shot. You always have to look at these teams. You you obviously always look at the teams that are overperforming. Yeah. But a couple of teams that are just having great seasons as a whole. I mean, Belichick may win coach of the year. I think he's probably the favorite. If not, he's number two. What he's done yes. with Mac Jones in just his first, you know, 13 games. And a good team without a standout player like that, maybe besides Judon and a couple of guys, it's really impressive. And it's just staple to why Bill Belichick is the best coach ever in, in NFL. Maybe besides Bill Walsh. Yeah. Don't forget uh, Bill Parcells, too. I mean, come on. That's it. Bill Parcells is up there. It was amazing to watch because Belichick's uh, coaching savvy was really on display this past Monday night. Mac Jones threw three passes. I mean, it was a game of rugby we watched. It's, <laughs> it's crazy how you can know exactly what's coming the entire game and still not do anything yeah. about it. You know, Damian Harris had that, I think it was like a 65, 70-yard touchdown run. And yet still, there was one person even close to remotely, you know, tackling him. So it's impressive. I mean, there was a lot of different packages, but just running up the gut and, and they come out with the wind and uh, the wind and the, the, wind, the wind was insane. Yeah. So. <laughs> How about that punt that went into the stands? <laughs> I don't know if you saw it, but before the game, they showed someone kicking a field goal. Uh, just in practice. And it looked like my slice in golf. It just went 50 yards. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get to this weekend's action and you get to pick some games that we have no idea, have no prep on. It's early in the week when we record this and I'm ready to place my bets because I have a comeback in the works because Giannis just whoops me every week. And that really makes me mad because he does zero prep. We know that you listeners probably know that <laughs> and we get on here and he just makes me look so dumb. So I'm, I'm coming for redemption guys. Punishment picks. Yeah. So first one, uh, Ravens plus two and a half at the Browns. 
Ravens a bit of a stinker last week against the Steelers. They had, a, they had a chance to win it at the end. Obviously came up a bit short. Interesting division rival. What do you like here? You know, I'm going to take the Browns. I don't know why. I can't really quit on this team. And the Ravens have been so up and down. And that when they're good, they're great. And I just think the Browns are a little bit more, you know, meat and potatoes. I feel like I trust them more. So as a favorite, two and a half, let's go with the Browns. I am going with the Ravens on a bounce back win. I cannot bet on any Cleveland team, no matter the point since LeBron left. I'm sorry. It's just, (laughs) you know, the only time I bet on Cleveland is if I get sick and I need to go to the Cleveland Clinic. Other than that, I'm taking the Browns. I would take the Bad News Bears against the Browns. I mean, I'm taking the Ravens. I'm sorry. I'm taking the Ravens. I would take the the fuck. Fuck me. Fuck. 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 I got fucking marbles in my fucking mouth. I apologize. (laughs) I am taking the goddamn Ravens. Fair enough. Um, Game game number two. I'm not going to say this is the game of the week, but it's probably the most important game or one of Cowboys four point favorite on the road at Washington football team. WFT is, I think, two games out of a playoff spot or out of the division lead right now. So this changes the dynamic of that division with a couple games to go. What do you guys like here? Man, I can't. I'm taking the I'm taking the Cowboys. I'm taking the favorite. I'm taking the Cowboys. I mean, they look too good. I feel like I'm sticking with Dallas. You know, I am too. I'm going to get on that one too. I just pulled up the injury report as we know it now, and Dallas looks pretty clean. Seems like everyone's back. And when they are fully healthy, they still have a very impressive roster that can win any week. I like the Cowboys. The only thing for me is... Washington football team have been pretty, pretty good at home. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, I don't want to say Heineke is the next Patrick Mahomes by any means, but they're playing around him. They're playing fairly well. And I saw, I don't know if you saw at the end of the game the other day, he was getting beaten around and getting thrown around and a lot of his players standing up for him. I just see that as a little bit of a mental edge towards them, but I'm with you guys. Cowboys are just the more complete team. So it'll be an interesting one on Sunday. Yeah. And then last one, we just uh, talked about the Bills in that weird game this week on Monday night. Bills are plus two and a half on the road at Tampa Bay. So do they play up to the Tom Brady caliber or do you see two in a row uh, in terms of a, maybe a lackluster performance? Well, Tampa Bay is cooking and it's it's going to be hard to stop them. However, when I saw that postgame press conference with Poyer and Hyde, This team is angry. They should have won at home in that low scoring, ugly game. I just, I feel like they are going to come back so hungry now, short week, but I think they have a chance to win on the road. Okay. I, I, I'm surprised by that. I'm surprised you or you're taking the bills. Yeah. I am going with the bucks as long as my man Gronk is uh, healthy and he is. He's the difference maker. I mean, when he's there, Brady knows he has that option. I mean, it's a wrap. I'm going with the Bucks minus 2.5. Okay, I like it. I think this is the first time we disagreed on more than one. So this is going to be interesting a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it will. Let's, let's wait and find out. You're already making me regret my Bill's take, but I just, it's so, <laughs> I have recency bias. I just watched all the, the post-game stuff and I'm like, ooh, they're going to be dangerous next week. But who am I kidding? They're playing Tom Brady. is it so next week we're going to figure out who has to read the outro but this week because i lost i have to read the outro 
I have not laid eyes on it yet. I'm a little nervous. I told Giannis to take it easy on me, but he never does. So, Peter, thanks so much for joining us again. If you want to hop off so you don't have to hear what I have to say here, I think it's going to make your ears ring. Uh, Might be a little R-rated. Oh, no, I wouldn't miss this for the world. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here it goes. Hey, everyone. Here I am on familiar ground once again, losing to the Fediverse? Fed, oh, Feta. Exactly. Feta cheese. Yeah. (laughs) And future godfather to my child, Giannis Papas. As you know, I've asked Yanni to- I will be the, yeah, I will. Good. Sorry, I was just saying, I accept. (laughs) As you know, I have asked Yanni to stay at my mansion in Kansas City while we are gone to watch it and also throw social media parties with TikTokers to give my crib some clout. Can't wait to watch it from Turkey on my Instagram stories. As you know, I am off to Yanni's motherland, Turkey, to be with my hubby, who's going to light it up from three so much, it's going to look like Turkey's Rockefeller Center. As you know, I'm headed to Constantinople to reclaim it for Rome. Giannis wrote this. I did not write this. But seriously, I'm very excited for my Midwestern son to be nourished by more shawarma and dolmas. At least I won't have to take 29 COVID tests and quarantine for three years to go see my husband in Toronto anymore. COVID isn't real. I'm OHD and I'm out. Again, didn't write that. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know you didn't believe in COVID. You wish. You wish. That would just fit your narrative of me so much better. Just make sure you get a VPN in Turkey so you can still do the show. Yep. Again, I always hope my mom and dad don't listen to the end. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. That is our show. Make sure you follow at BetMGM on all social media. Hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Peace. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.